Welcome to The Last Resort, the last place you'd look for legitimate sports opinions. I'm your host, Benny Harris, and I am joined on this cold, windy night by Philly Turkey Chili Brandon. What's up, man? It is absolutely this Antarctic outside right now. I, I don't do well in the winter. I don't know about you, so I'm just not having a good time. No, I like the winter. I, uh, I'm a cold boy. I was born in a blizzard, the blizzard of 93. Um, I, I appreciate an ice chill uh, from outside. So does my dog, Homer. He took a poop about 20 minutes ago outside. It was glorious. Um, what do you think about the nickname I gave you, Turkey Chili, uh, Philly, Philly Turkey Chili Brandon? I'll have to check. I don't think there's any regional tie to turkey chili in the area, or if I've had turkey chili. I usually just go beef because, you know, what are we doing here? I mean, turkey's leaner, slightly healthier, and my girlfriend makes it, so, you know. But if you're eating chili, you've already wandered down that path. Like, you might as well just go all the way. I mean, that's your perspective, all right? (laughs) Like, allow some people who want to eat turkey chili to eat turkey chili. That's like the guy getting, like, the Big Mac combo and a Diet Coke. Like, let's just commit to the whole thing already. I'm glad I don't live in Brandon's America. I'd have to go all in on everything. Um, All right, speaking of Brandon's America, you got to explain to me the recent events that have transpired in the stock market between Robin Hood working with billionaires versus Dave Portnoy and the average working Joe who apparently have been buying GameStop and AMC and old stocks like that. Um, I only ask you because you tweeted something from the last resort this morning. Yeah. Saying that, well, could, you, could you please reread the tweet and let me know how many impressions that got? Because that was pretty, uh, pretty special on your end. Yes, I woke up, um, you know, I, I do enjoy the stock market, um, and I've been kind of following this whole thing. So I jumped in on AMC, uh, Tootsie Roll, and Naked Juice, um, GameStop was already too far gone. And then I woke up today to find out that, yeah, it wasn't going to happen anymore. They kind of, they drove the prices down. So I talked to the um, the TLR fan base to kind of just voice my concerns. And uh, 56 people agreed and 11,000 people happened to see it. Um, but basically went a little something like, uh, so at Robin Hood app, definitely roots for the villain in every movie, right? We all agree there, guys. And that's because they were created to be, like, the lowest level anybody can get into stock trading broker. And then when the regular people started figuring this shit out, and they were like, man, we can really make some money by doing this, Robin Hood was like, wait a minute, nah, not you people. Like, nah, 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 nah. We, like, enjoy your crumbs, but, you know, don't come for the whole pie. Um, so that was essentially the Robin Hood aspect of it. Robin Hood blocked trading to GameStop and AMC for quite a while today. Uh, it'll be back up tomorrow, allegedly. Uh, so if you're still in those and you're re- watching this website, please, you know, just hold on. Don't sell. If you sell, we all lose. And uh, your favorite co-host loses an awful lot of money, so don't do that. <laughs> um, Portnoy has become an American hero, even though a lot of people disliked him for a very long time. He's won a lot of people over because he is one of the few people who is just a regular scumbag like the rest of us who happened to hit it big. And so he's kind of advocating for the people. Mark Cuban gained a lot of fans today. Um, so that's kind of the Portnoy angle on that as well. And I saw that Mets new owner, Steve Cohen, lost a few fans today. Yeah, anybody anybody pretty much who um, the system has been rigged in their favor for the last, you know, since 1776, um, any of them that complained, they got eviscerated in a way that only Twitter can really do. Um, 
via the boys at Wall Street Bets, who basically decided to just change the world on, like, a Tuesday afternoon. I saw someone, I guess they're a Mets fan, they tweeted, this is the last straw, I'm done rooting for the Mets. And then someone responded and was like, dude, the Wilpons were involved in Madoff. And this is this is when you want, like, this is your last straw, really? Like, <laughs> If you're a Mets fan, there's been so many straws. This, this month we're looking at two. I mean, you could have drawn the line and, like, sexual harassment in the workplace. That wasn't the last straw. But this finally is the last straw for a few people. You could have said Carlos Beltran's a cheater, and you hired him to yeah, literally got, fire him. You got so many options, and this is the one that did it. This sucks, don't get me wrong, but you should have been out way before this. All right, Brandon, we have a Super Bowl in less than two weeks. It is not this Sunday. It is next Sunday, so we will not give our Super Bowl preview. What we will do is we will give some headlines we think are going to come up during these next few days before the Super Bowl. So I have a few. You can share a few when you're done. I'll say mine, and then you you tell me if you like it or not. You ready? Yeah. All right. If Brady wins, he's entering uncharted territory. Uncharted territory. No, he's not. Um, And that has nothing to do. Like I I think Tom Brady is doing things that are just spectacular at his age. Um, if if not for the existence of LeBron James, it would be uncharted. The problem is he, LeBron just did it. Like, he just did it. That's my only issue with the uncharted part. If Patrick Mahomes wins, he essentially will be the GOAT eventually. If Mahomes wins, he is on the fast track to passing Brady, yes. Okay. You like that one. How's this one? Bruce Arians finally wins a Super Bowl as a head coach. Ooh, is that uh, are you asking me to pick the game or No, it's just the headline. What do you think of the headline? Oh, I mean, I think he's somebody who deserves one. Um he is in my opinion Andy Reid before Andy Reid won one. He's been around too long. He's been too good not to have a ring. You know what I love about the Super Bowl, Brandon? Two fat guy coaches. True. But of the two, we can get into this right now. Who not the better coach, but the better fat guy. Oh, it's Andy Reid. I yeah. mean, Arians isn't a great fat guy because, I don't know, he's just, like, he, he kind of tries to distract you, right? He wears the hats. He curses a lot. He, he, can't, he can't do an interview without, like, saying shit or fuck or something. And you just, he kind of takes away from those fat guy tendencies, whereas Andy Reid like, embraces it. Andy Reid's like, yeah, like, I need to eat good before games. I need to eat good after games. Check out my gigantic belly. I'm a great coach. Andy Reid is downright jolly. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. Speaking of Andy Reid, he can claim his spot as the second best coach of our generation if he wins his second Super Bowl. Um, God, that's a tough one. I don't know. Um, Mike Tomlin, I think he got to have in there. Um, Pete Carroll, maybe. Uh, I think it's between he and Tomlin for that number two spot, unless I'm, like, criminally forgetting somebody, which I don't, I don't think I am. I don't, I don't think you are. An active coach, yeah. And, and I would say, like, a Bill Cowers of our generation, Herm Edwards, they're a little bit before our time. Um, Tony right. Dungy, maybe. Yeah, but he only won one. Yeah, you're right. They were just there all the time. You're right. The Buccaneers can win the first home Super Bowl ever. Are you intrigued by that? Um, no. If people were in the stadium, I would care. 
it's you know it, it's a building with a field. If there were fans there, I think it'd be really cool. Antonio Brown, after all his craziness and shenanigans over the last two and a half years, can walk away with a Super Bowl ring. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything personally against the guy. I think some of the stuff he's done has been, you know, kind of ludicrous in my personal opinion. But I have no reason to root against them, so sure, why the hell not? Kelsey, the young in his prime, best tight end in football, versus Gronk, the old has been best tight end in football. Are you intrigued by this matchup? Look, is Gronk a has been in age? Absolutely. But I'm assuming you watched you watch the game, right, with them and the Packers. Like yeah. you saw that. I mean, when he was when he got free down the sideline, that athleticism is very much still there. Yeah, no, I mean, he doesn't get the ball like at all. It's weird, right? Like him and Kelsey volume wise are used the exact opposite. Kelsey sees fifteen targets a game. Gronk's lucky if he sees three. Yeah, which is weird given he and Brady's connection, but it could be a different offense. I don't know. I also Gronk's one of the best blocking tight ends in the game, and, and people always forget that, but I don't because I see it on Twitter all the time, and I watch the highlight clips, and Gronk bullies guys on defense. That's why he's still in the NFL. That's why he's so good, even when he's not catching the ball. And then finally, this, this is personally my favorite one I came up with, Jason Pierre-Paul wins his first Super Bowl with less than 10 fingers. Now, see, if he does that, which finger – becomes the ring finger? It's a good question. I have no idea. Because everything's over one now, you know? I would just wear it around my neck, like Lord of the Rings style, you know? All right, those are all my headlines for the Super Bowl. Did I miss any? Not not by my list. I mean, we're looking at the same same document. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah. No, I was was asking if you had any. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get into some football news. The Houston Texans hired David Culley. As their new head coach, Cully was an assistant coach for the Baltimore Ravens. So my question to you, Brandon, is do we know anything about this man? I didn't know he was a person. And I, we follow fo- – this is what we do. We follow football enough. I couldn't tell you one singular thing that David Cully has done. Now, people have come out and said he's a really good leader of men, good coach, all that. This is not me bashing David Cully. It's just who is this man? Well, I'll tell you who he is, Brandon, because I have a computer that has Wikipedia. He has been coaching for 27 years. He's 65 years old. He was Baltimore's passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach, which is funny because that might have been their weakest position. Yeah. And he also coached under Andy Reid, who was, by the way, happy for Cully, but he's still upset that Eric Bieniemy has not gotten an NFL head coaching job yet again. So I was on um, a separate interview uh, with somebody, you know, smarter than myself, uh, Jay Gasman um, on Twitter. You can catch uh, his content. And he had an interesting take that I kind of agree with. I want to see if you think the same. Eric Bieniemy's better off. Like, Eric Bieniemy is better off not taking that head coaching gig with the Texans. And the reason I say that is because of the Bill O'Brien effect. He might not get another one. If you go to a, to a team that's that awful – in a league where offensive coordinators are coming into the coaching pipeline every single year, and he coaches, say, two, three-win teams, that might be his only shot of the head coaching gig, and it's with a terrible organization with your owner over your shoulder, probably over the GM's shoulder, too. I think he, I think he's better off being in KC for another year and then come back out next year. 
the situation you're saying is so bad in Houston. It's like save you. It's it's like uh, you're about to lose your virginity, and you don't want to lose your virginity to someone that you don't really care about, who's who's a, who's a bad person. You want to lose your virginity to the right person. And in this case, this is Eric Bieniemy's coaching virginity. He doesn't want to lose it to the Houston Texans. Yeah, the Houston Texans, if we're using that analogy, is somebody with confirmed at least 15 STDs. Ugh, yeah. And also, Bill O'Brien's ex. I mean, really? Yeah, still not great. You don't even have a quarterback if you go there. Like, he's better off waiting it out. That's a good point. So that brings me to an interesting question. So there are two quarterbacks this year who have decided they want to part ways with their former employer. Well, Deshaun's current employer, but he won't – Officially requ- yeah, right. He officially requested a trade earlier yesterday. So it's Deshaun Watson and it's Matthew Stafford. Now Stafford's played with the Lions for twelve Lions for twelve seasons, and I just wanted to ask you who who had it worse, like during Watson's four or five years in Houston or Stafford's twelve years in Detroit. Now I'm gonna give you a case for each, and you're gonna tell me who who had it worse. Are you ready? I mean, yeah, you can run through the case. My mind's made up already. Okay, I'm going to run through the case. Here's the case for Watson. Had Bill O'Brien as a head coach. The Texans traded away DeAndre Hopkins and Jadavion Clowney. Terrible offensive line his entire tenure in Houston. Zero offensive weapons, including no running back, outside of DeAndre Hopkins. And he didn't have any say on who should be the next GM and coach, they wouldn't even listen to him on his advice. That's my case for Watson. My case for Stafford is the firing of Jim Caldwell, one of the most boneheaded decisions by any organization in the past 15 years, the hiring of Matt Patricia, losing Calvin Johnson to retirement because the Lions organization handled his health so poorly to the point where he said, I'm just going to stop playing football because this organization clearly wants me to die on the football field. Uh, never had a great running back go through Stafford's 12 years. I don't remember a single guy who was like a top three running back in the league and never had a great defense. I I can't remember Stafford's defense ever being elite. Uh, also he's only made the playoffs three times in his 12 year career as a wild card team. The Lions are 0 and three in those games. So you said your mind's made up. I gave you the stats who, who, who is worse off staying with their franchise if they stayed. Okay, so that's a that's a different question. It's not. No, no, no. It's the same question. Who, who okay, let's let's start with this. Who's had it worse? Yeah, or who, who's had Okay. Who's, who's had it worse? Back has had it worse. Who's had it worse is Matt Stafford. For sure. I mean, he is somebody who is as talented, I would argue, as I think he could hang with Big Ben. I think he could hang with Philip. He could hang with a lot of these guys who have multiple championship appearances, sometimes multiple rings. And like I said, three wild card games in 12 years. He just hasn't gotten there. Watson's situation is is more toxic, I think. There's more love between Detroit and Matt Stafford. And they were good. I mean, the Texans for a while were consistently in the mix making playoffs. Yeah, they were good in an AFC South that consisted of dog shit. Yeah, but you got to figure it's getting there and having a chance. I mean, Matt Stafford never had the chance to win playoff games. Uh, Deshaun was routinely in the mix. That's why I think Stafford's had it worse. Worst coach, Matt Patricia or Bill O'Brien? Matt Patricia, by far. Bill O'Brien was a decent coach and a god-awful GM. That was the problem. He shot himself in the foot. All right. Sticking with this quarterback narrative, I wanted to play Musical Chairs, NFL Quarterback Edition. 
So I'm going to give you a quarterback. You're going to tell me where they're going to end up. Are you ready? Sure. Matthew Stafford. Um, 49ers. I'm going to agree with you on that one. Matt Ryan. No. I'm trying to think who's, uh, who's, who's, who's looking right now. The New England Patriots are going to yeah, acquire that makes Matt stuff, Ryan. That makes a lot of sense, actually. That's my pick. Uh, Deshaun Watson, who does he get traded to? Miami. Miami. I'm going to say the Jets. I'm going to say Joe Douglas makes a move for him because unlike Dave Gettleman, he understands that Sam Darnold is not as good a quarterback as Deshaun Watson. Uh, Sam Darnold. Uh, stays home. No, I think he's going to go possibly. This is, this is a weird trade, but I think he goes to the Rams. I think he's, he, he takes Jared Goff's spot, and I think that he's Sean McVay's new tool. What do you think of that? I think if that happens, uh, the Jets should be on the phone almost immediately to just to get Goff. And then finally, your boy, Carson Wentz. He stays. You don't, you, don't make, you don't make the moves that they've made in the last month or so if you're not planning on having them stay. Or forcing them to stay, remember. All right, Brandon. Speaking of the Eagles, they recently hired a new coaching staff, head coach, offensive defense, defensive coordinator, and all three people look like the exact same guy. They're all so Pfizer guys. Tell me who they are. Break them down. I don't even know their names at this point. Like, Explain to me who the Eagles have hired here as their new coaches. Well, obviously, you got the most Italian head coach probably you can imagine, Nick Sirianni. Um, what have we got? I got to even look this up myself. I, the, the whole the whole team's new. Um, I know most of our coaches are Detroit Lions now, which is odd. Dan Campbell poached the entire staff. Uh, Deuce Staley, which we all know, I thought should have taken our job, but you know, didn't happen. Press Taylor is also gone. Dave Fipp is also gone. Like we lost a lot of we lost a lot of people. Um, oh, let's see, Nick Sirianni. Oh, Jonathan Gannon was a name I couldn't find. Jonathan Gannon, um, also I believe an Indianapolis guy. We brought like the Indianapolis Colts East. Uh, Shane Steichen, um, I believe he was out in um, L.A. Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson, by the way, is apparently being credited for Dak Prescott being a good quarterback. Okay. I wasn't aware of this. I, I've heard about nine people uh, claim that they were responsible for Dak Prescott, Kellen Moore included. Uh, so, okay, that, that's great to know that another person is responsible for Dak being good. It was Jason Garrett, now it's Kellen Moore, now it's this guy I've never heard of. Okay, I got it. Well, they brought, I think he was in college. He's before the, the, uh, the Cowboys got their hands on him. Got it, got it. Okay, so he was at Mississippi State. Is that where Dak went to school? Yeah. Okay. And the rest, no one really cares. I mean, Jeff Stoutland's day, which is a big deal. Um, as bad as the Eagles' O-line was, he largely kept them above water um, for the most of the season. So having him back is a massive get. But, yeah, the rest of those guys, they're all they're – all, one, they're all the same guy. Two, um, a lot of them are from the same team. I mean, we poached three Colts coaches this year. Um, like I said, and then one from the Chargers. All right. You brought up Dan Campbell earlier. Uh, he took the Detroit Lions head coaching job, and he gave an epic monologue regarding the personality that he wants this team to take on. I can't even explain it. Brandon, here, have a listen. All right. So this team's going to be built on uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you, and when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right, and we're going to stand up, and then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right, and on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, 
and we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another honk out of you. Before, before long, we're going to be the last one standing. All right, that's going to be the mentality. All right, and we're going to learn that any loss that we take, we're going to make sure we feel the full pain of it and not go numb to it and learn from it. All right, and so this team's going to be built on. Yep, yeah, that's it. Uh, wants to take out guys' kneecaps, less guys standing. They're going to feel the pain when they lose. A lot going on with that Dan Campbell speech. Uh, are you fired up, or are you more along the lines of what the fuck is he talking about? No, that's just stupid. Like, and I want to bring something up in relation to Dan Campbell uh, that I heard a couple days ago, and that was that Eric Bieniemy apparently doesn't interview well. Um, he tends to swear, maybe not speak super professionally, which I think is bullshit anyway. It's a football coach. He's not going to be like, you know, he's not going to be selling insurance. Like, he's, you know, he's supposed to swear and you guys hyped up. But if that's the case, what the hell is Dan Campbell? That's professional? That's cannibalism. Yeah, so so I guess your your question is, like, if Biennemi supposedly, allegedly doesn't interview well, what did Campbell say in that Detroit Lions interview to get the job? Like, hey, guys, we're, I'm, I'm a coach that's going to come in here. I'm going to rip people's kneecaps off. Hired. You're hired, Dan. Yeah, yeah. that's Something what I'm saying. And also the whole, like, he might curse during interviews. There's no way Bruce Arians doesn't curse during interviews. And, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, interesting perception of the game of football on Campbell's part. I mean, obviously he, he's been in the league for a while. He's he's an interim coach for the Dolphins a few years ago. Um, I understand if, if uh, you know, that's how you, the mentality you want your team to take on. I just don't know if sharing it to the public is the right way to go about it, especially with, like, Bounty Gate and everything that this league has seen from dirty hits. So the yeah. second the second that the Lions have like an unnecessary roughness, everyone's going to be like, well, Dan Campbell said to fucking rip their kneecaps open. So like, of course that guy stepped on his groin. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's just like, I mean, there's no way these guys in the locker room are like, are excited now. They're like, <laughs> what on earth? Like, you know, we play for the Lions. We know this is going to suck, but like, you guys are just going too far now. You seen the movie Kicking and Screaming? Yeah, that's what this is. This is this is Will Ferrell when he tries to be Mike Ditka. I want I want you to break somebody's clavicle. If you break someone's clavicle, that's a good thing. Break someone's clavicle on three. That was done. <laughs> I want you to chop lock. <laughs> oh man! All right, we have a quick segment before we get to our NBA update. Uh, this one's called "Fuck Yeah, Ron Rivera." Um, I saw on Twitter he is now cancer free. Uh, that is awesome to hear. Riverboat Ron Rivera, he coached while he had cancer. He was going through chemo. And he's, you know, according to what I read from his family member, he's cancer-free. So that's that's great to hear. We always love to hear when, when someone, you know, in sports who, who has as high of a profile as, as Ron Rivera does, um, and they're going through something like this, they're able to come back, you know, better on the other side. So Yeah, I mean, like you know, we're talking about all these, like, head coaching hires and, like, character at all. I mean – I think Henry and heck of the Washington football team um, has completely turned their season around. Like they were not an overly talented team; they just believed like crazy. Yeah, no, it would have been it would have been a lot more uh, different if they had hired Dan Campbell instead of Ron Rivera. And that's the difference. See, if Ron Rivera comes in the locker room and like we had an awful first half and he starts laying into us, I'm listening because this guy's been through some shit. Dan Campbell has no, like, what am, you know, what am I doing here? You were a mediocre tight end for a while. 
I'll tell you this about Ron Rivera, man. How many quarterbacks did he go through this year and get Washington to the playoffs? Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, Dwayne Haskins, Taylor Heineke. Four quarterbacks, and the man ended up winning the NFC East. So I know Alex Smith was obviously the comeback player of the year. I think Ron Rivera should – I mean, look, the NFC East stunk. I'm not going to say, like, wow, what an accomplishment. You won the NFC East. But at the same time, like, guy's going through chemo, and he's winning a division in football. That's pretty high praise right there. And at the same time, like I said, the division was awful. You and I both know that. We're both in that division. But they kind of proved something. Like, when they made Brady and the Bucks work for that playoff win, they proved that, you know, they're actually a good football team. It wasn't just by, you know, virtue of someone having to go. They deserve to be there. I think they're building something in Washington. It's funny because they didn't come up uh, as a destination for some of the quarterbacks we were talking about. I know a few guys who, would, who could go there, play with Terry McLaren. Uh, is it Antonio Gibson's the running back? He's a nice yeah. player. They got some weapons there in Washington. I think they're going to land a quarterback in this circle. I don't know. I just don't know who it's going to be. Um, Stafford has been rumored to them, but we'll see. All right, let's get to our NBA update. So I'm going to give you a quick sentence. You give me a quick reaction. You ready? Yep. Utah is on a 10-game win streak. They are now 14-4 and and first in the Western Conference. Uh, They can thank Philadelphia for that one seed, but impressive nonetheless. The Los Angeles Lakers are 14-5. and five. Number two, LeBron is playing perfect basketball with zero effort. Accurate, but it wasn't enough. Okay. Steph Curry is single-handedly carrying the 10-8 and eight Warriors on his back. Steph Curry is the Michael Jordan of today in the, fa- in the way that he uses other people's hate against him in the best way possible. The Brooklyn Nets... Big three are starting to embrace the phrase scary hours, three straight wins to go 11-8, and eight, and they might land Andre Drummond. I still think they need Andre Drummond to be even concerningly good playoff-wise. Your Philadelphia 76ers look pretty darn good. They're 13-6 and six and first in the Eastern Conference. If the Sixers finish this season with three All-Stars, they will be in the finals. Wow. The Milwaukee Bucks are number two. Giannis says that he's getting old and weird. I would probably change before the game and shower when I get home. The Knicks are currently the eighth seed in the East at 8-11. and 11. They could stay there. The, the Knicks could be the Orlando Magic of this time around. The Tom Thibodeau effect, Brandon. He's great at nabbing eight seeds. All right, let's get to this final segment in basketball. I call it poor Bradley Beal. He is the NBA's version of Deshaun Watson. I have a stat for you, Brandon. I wanted to read it to you and get your reaction. So in Beal's last six games, and ESPN posted this. It's not like I I found this somewhere cool. 47 (laughs) points, loss. 33 points, loss. 31 points, loss. 34 points and nine assists, win. 41 points, loss. 60 points, loss. It makes you wonder, like, I mean, when you come to work every day, what more can you do? Like, I know they say, like, oh, we're always getting better, we're always improving, that can be better. I don't think he can. I don't think Bradley Beal can get any better. The team just sucks. They have to trade him, and they're probably going to trade him to hopefully a Western Conference team, because I don't think you or I want to see him in the East. Um, I can see him going to the Clippers. I can see him going to the Lakers. It's a lot of – dude, the Lakers – 
are so dangerous because they kept young guys like mm-hmm. Kuzma and uh, is it what's the uh, Horton Thornton Horton here? Oh Zalou? yeah, he's uh, what the hell? Yeah, THT like or something. Talon. Talon something. THT, I think. I don't know. I call him Horton. Here's a who. Uh, he he can play. Kuzma can play. And, uh, you know, Casey, but they like, these are guys the Lakers don't necessarily need. They trade for Beal. Boom. You have AD, LeBron, and Bradley Beal. Um, I think they so, get worse, though. I think what you just mentioned is one of the things that makes them better is that they're deep. I mean, like, your Nets just did that same thing, and depth is an issue right now. Kalen Horton Tucker is his name. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So I was right with the Horton Here's a Who reference. Shout out Dr. Seuss. Love his stuff. Um, all right. Let's move on to the worst tweet of the week and quite possibly of 2021. So a few minutes before our episode, I was scrolling through Twitter and uh, I saw Coley Mick from Barstool had responded to a tweet and he goes, I have no idea what he's trying to say here. And I pulled up the tweet and it was a Bob Ryan tweet. Are you familiar with Bob Ryan? Yes. Yes, I okay, am. The old so crazy man on ESPN. Old Bobby tweeted, Hey, Kurt, what Hall of Famer said 12 Swiss Jewish bankers ruled the world, the last eight U.S. presidents were traitors, and AIDS was hatched in, an, in a Maryland lab in order to kill gays and blacks and still got 95.82% of the vote? Answer, Steve Carlton. P.S. I voted for him and for you. And he didn't even at Kurt Schilling. See, see, he had me going there for about four sentences um, because Kurt Schilling did talk his way out of the hall. Like, you know, he's an asshole and people don't like him. They're not going to vote for him. But then he did this weird thing where he was like, but I still think you should be in. And I voted. It, it was like it was an attack. And then he kind of took it back and was like, well, no, man, we're cool. It's, it's not an attack, Brandon. What Bob Ryan is saying is if you remove the asshole from the human being, as long as they can play baseball, they should be glorified in sports. So uh, Trill Withers, who used to do uh, mixtape with Coley Mick and Barstool, he used to have, you know, I follow him on Twitter. He wrote, and this is a fake Bob Ryan tweet, before casting judgment, ask yourself, did you ever see Hitler's knuckleball? I did. Yeah, and that yeah, and that's kind of what he's saying. Like, I get you got to separate it to a to a degree, but I mean, still, you're asking people to vote for people for good things to happen to them. I don't vote for good things to happen to bad people that often. I don't know about you. I got I got another one. I went down the rabbit hole. This is from Brett Hershkowitz at B R E T T H E R. Sure, Stalin was a bit cold, but he was the last guy you wanted to face if you needed to run late. Yeah, like. Th- that threat on that's going to be spectacular because Bob Ryan didn't know what he was getting into. Bob Ryan, you've been around sports for a long time. You actually used to go to some of my UMass Amherst basketball games. I'd see you there. Not that I was playing. I would see you on the sideline. You've been around New England sports for almost a century, it seems like. It's time for you to delete the Twitter machine, go home, retire. That was maybe the worst tweet I've read since me and Brandon pulled up a tweet uh, a few weeks ago comparing Kyrie Irving to Hitler. That was a rough one. Anytime, that's just a word that if you have to put it in a tweet, you know this is going to go sideways and quickly. All right, Which, Brandon. by the way, Kyrie, <laughs> yeah. as, much as, as much as I disdain him at times, they've put out a list, and Kyrie is very much the opposite of Hitler. He has done hundreds of thousands of dollars of good deeds. 
and he's playing really good basketball. Not that that matters, but recently, I mean, if you're Bob Ryan, it's all that matters. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, Brandon. Exactly. Um, All right. One more segment before we get into our top five. Uh, This is Spencer's foolproof gambling strategy that Brandon will be 100% going in on him with. All right. All right. So here's what you do, Brandon. You wait till a few of the games start at night. It's really basketball specific. You find out some teams that are up big. You take the money line on like two or three minus 1,600 or minus 1,000 or something. Then you bet a few favorites, like big favorites. I'm talking eight or nine point favorites at least. Bet the money line. You get five to seven of these games down. It's going to be like a plus 300 payout. Sprinkle a little bit of money. uh, Quadruple your return. What do you think? I think it has the potential to possibly work, but I don't have luck with parlays. If I bet more than once in a window, it's just not going to go well. I'm not even picking games I know about. I'm picking like Southeastern Iowa State is a 13.5-point favorite against Louisiana Tech. I'm going to take the 13.5 favorite money line. I'll do that four times with a bunch of teams that are like 14-point favorites. You know what I'm saying? It'll work. Trust me. And I'll tell you this. I've done it twice. I'm one of two. So, wait, it'll work, I promise. It works almost half the time. Yeah, 50% that's like, of the time, every time. You're flipping a coin and going, I promise, it's always heads. All right, the Celtics lost me the parlay last <laughs> night, okay? They were supposed to beat the Spurs. They lost somehow. Anyway, that's my foolproof gambling strategy. You already said you're going in with me. I'll let you know when the next parlay's up. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe it'll work 25% of the time or 75% of the time. We'll see. All right, Brandon, our top fives for this week. I decided to think of, a, think of like a very uh, personal one, and that's our top five home-cooked meals from anybody but yourself. I'm talking dad, mom, sister, girlfriend, grandma, uh, uh, nanny, neighbor, whoever. Man, this one sucks right now. I'm so hungry. <laughs> I haven't eaten dinner. All right, we're going to start. I'll start off. My number five is my girlfriend's mother's masitas. Now, for those who are listening who don't know what masitas are, they are fried pork chunks. They are delicious. One of the greatest dishes I've ever had. It's a Cuban dish. It's also Puerto Rican. Depends where you go. But they're fantastic. Masitas, my number five home-cooked meal. Okay. I I can't give a whole lot of commentary given that I haven't heard, nor have I had those yet. But I'm going to take your word for it. Um, my number five is my dad's homemade meatloaf, which is eerily similar to that of Cracker Barrel because we stole the recipe from Cracker Barrel. Or did Cracker Barrel steal the recipe from your father? Oh, no, I was with him. We found it online. We stole it. All right. There's a website, by the way, that exposes all your favorite restaurants' uh, recipes, so that's out there now. But it it's just it's a great winter comfort food. You've got some, you got some peppers, some onions in there. He makes like this homemade like brown sugar meatloaf sauce. It's fire. I love Cracker Barrel, by the way. I want to go on record and say Cracker Barrel is one of the greatest American establishments in this country. It is really America in four walls. It's old people Applebee's. I like it more than Applebee's. Yeah, but all restaurants are put on a scale of Applebee's. That's fair. That's fair. Um, my girlfriend's honey garlic pork chops are my number four. Uh, she made them for the first time a month ago, and I was smitten by them and by her at the time. 
Um, they were phenomenal. Uh, my number four, my girlfriend's honey garlic pork chops. Ooh, honey, garlic, and pork are three things that I can put on a shoe and eat just fine. So that's a solid pick. Um, my number four, I would have to go with my mom's homemade chili. It is a game day staple back before the Eagles were devastatingly depressing. And it just, whenever I have that, I just think of sitting down with a beer and watching football all day. I knew that Philly Chili nickname would come full circle at the end of this episode. It replace, is not turkey chili. Re- replace the turkey with beef. The nickname sticks. It does. It does work. Uh, my number three, it's pretty simple. My pops is hamburgers. He cooks them perfectly. Uh, he, he, he doesn't buy the patties. He buys, like, the, the raw meat, what have you, and he just he knows what he's doing. Um, it's funny. Like, my dad grew up pretty skinny guy. Uh, because his mother was a horrible cook. Shout out, Grandma Sandra. I hope you do not listen to this. And um, he went to college, and they were like these horrible dining halls there, and the food was terrible. And he was like, this is the greatest shit I've ever ate. And he just ate so much food at his shitty dining hall. And then after college, he learned how to cook. And part of his cooking went over my mother, and it also went over me and my brother when we were kids. So my father's hamburgers, phenomenal. Hamburger is one of those super simple things that can either be fantastic or just a filler at best. Yeah, agreed, agreed. You can have a bad hamburger easily. Yeah, but a bad hamburger still serves its purpose. But a good hamburger becomes dinner. Yes, that's, that's, that's a good that's, way to put it. That's the distinction. Um, so my, what am I number at? What am I, three, three. Uh, my number three is my roommate's uh, stuffed chicken breast. Oh, you want to give me his name? I mean, yeah, he hasn't listened to the pod, but um, Jack, uh, Jack. He, yeah, he makes a serious uh, stuffed chicken. I uh, get some nice chicken breast, butterfly them open. Uh, sometimes it's broccoli and cheese. Other time we've done like uh, prosciutto and mozzarella. It's it really does uh, tie the whole room together. Roommate Jack's stuffed chicken breast is your number three. Yeah, it's it's that good. You tell little Jackie boy when I come down to Susquehanna. <laughs> He, I'm expecting a, a meal. Go whip a few up. All right, my number two, it's my mother Randy's deconstructed lasagna. Uh, my mom's not a big pasta maker. She she tends to cook healthy, but every now and again she'll uh, she'll she'll splurge out a little bit and make us something cool. And one night I come home from work and she's like, "Hey, I made this deconstructed lasagna. Let me know what you think." And it was like the lasagna pasta with the mm. ricotta next to it. And she had sprinkled a little bit of honey on the ricotta, regolt for for all you you know people who, who want to say it correctly, it's it's pronounced regolt, and uh, just just phenomenal. I mean, I, I've said that word a hundred times here, but deconstructed lasagna, you can't go wrong. It had the meat in between the regolt and the lasagna pasta. Ugh, Randy, you are a special chef slash human being, and then you're a pretty good mom too. But that's my number two. Deconstructed lasagna. I dig that. See, I've had, <laughs> I haven't had, I've had variations of pasta. Like we have tried in this house. Have you, have you had spaghetti pie? The abomination of the spaghetti pie. I have not. It is not terrible, but it's not great either. I mean, you want to talk about some dry spaghetti? Put it in the oven. Chick it's dry. But deconstructed lasagna sounds like it could work out better. I gotta, I gotta put that in the queue. I just looked up spaghetti pie. It looks pretty good. It does. It it looks fine, and it tastes fine. It's just not – there's something missing. I don't and know what I, it is. Then I searched deconstructed lasagna, and none of these pictures look like my mother's. Good. Patent that shit real quick. Hell yeah. All right. What is your number two? 
My number two is my girlfriend's shrimp penne um, vodka. Nice. It, it, oh, I am a huge fan of vodka sauce, um, and she does it really, really well. Um, I don't know, like the shrimp, like the size of your hand, which is awesome. It's like a whole meal. You got the cherry tomatoes. Uh, you got your peppers in there. It's it, it's really good. You think that my girlfriend's gonna be pissed that your girlfriend's number two on your list, but mine's number four? I didn't put that together, honestly. <laughs> Here's the thing. I was considering putting her at four, but then I don't like the parallel too often. And then by the time I got to three, I was like, oh, wait, no, this other thing. So, yeah. All right. My number one home-cooked meal. Uh, and I think I've only had it, like, twice in my life. So, you know, like, it's special. It's mm-hmm. left a lasting impact. My pops is Wiener Schnitzel and Spätzl. Are you familiar Ooh, with both? I love Spätzl. Bro, like... I'll never forget one night my dad was just like, you want Wiener schnitzel? I'm like, I don't know what that is. He's like, all right, wait here. Goes to the store, comes back with some veal, pounds the shit out of it, breads it, makes spätzle. I'm like, what is this? He's like, this is Wiener schnitzel and spätzle. I'm like, this is incredible. I want to eat this every single night. We happen to find a German restaurant about four or five pounds over and they have Wiener schnitzel and spätzle. We went there for a few years Unfortunately, they closed down uh, right before the pandemic started, but that was the greatest home-cooked meal, Brandon, I've ever had in my lifetime. I don't know if I'll ever have a, a meal as good as that. Uh, Wiener schnitzel and spätzle from my father, Kevin, is my number one. Okay. That spätzle is so good. That takes me back. I was in Germany. It was just sausage, spätzle, oh, and pretzels. For, for, for those who don't know what spätzle is, it's buttered pasta. But really yeah, but buttered it, pasta. And the way it's made is very different, too. Yes. Like, yes. It's a different consistency than normal pasta. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic, though. Uh, God, I don't have anything about it now. Anyway, uh, <laughs> my number one is going to take a bit – it's going to be a bit to get to. Like, all of ours are stuff that, like, you can walk upstairs or, like, call somebody and have made. I would be doing a disservice to this person with my number one. So my number one is my ex-girlfriend's neighbor's – brisket so no, i was i was so scared for you for a second there when you started no, with x-girl i was no, no, terrified no. but okay no no um my girlfriend doesn't listen to the podcast anyway i know she doesn't she says she does but she doesn't anyway <laughs> um they would throw like a block party rager every fourth of july and her neighbor his name's big willie i don't know him by anything other than that i would else i would call him something other than that i don't like it um, he gets out his competition barbecue trailer and just has brisket on deck all day. And then he's got another one next to it where he's using, like, the leftover burnt ends of the brisket in his barbecue sauce for the brisket. Then we go one step further, takes the burnt ends out of that, out of the sauce, dumps them in his barbecue baked beans. I, I mean, I was just – I probably had four plates, but I haven't had barbecue that good since. I never will again. When I was, like, coming up with people that you would have a home-cooked meal from, when I said neighbor, I was joking. Yeah. I, I, like, didn't actually count on you having someone who's a neighbor who cooked you your number one home-cooked meal. That's, that's pretty wild. Yeah, because, I mean, I've had – I don't even know if I've had better barbecue, but I've never had better barbecue that was home-cooked that day. That's for damn sure. Um, I mean – and I mean it's in the nicest of ways, but if you – so if you met this man the first time – and heard him speak, you go, man, his barbecue's fantastic. And he talks like it. He looks like he's always wearing, like, quadruple XL shirts, just comfort to the max, but just slinging out, like, competition-level food. 
It would be hard for me to look a man in the eye and call him Big Willie. It is tough. I said, I said, oh, hi, Will. And he was like, no one calls me Will. And I was like, oh, man. Nah, Willie's fine. Um, big something else is like Big Paul, Big Phil, Big Brandon, Big Spencer, whatever. But Willie's another term for penis. There, I yes. said it. Yeah. And uh, Big Willie's tough. It's like, hey, Big Willie, you know, and you, and you look down at his schlong area and you're like, oh, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, that, that's a pretty good number one. Yeah, that one I had to really, really dig deep for. All right, that does it for this week's episode of The Last Resort. I hope you guys enjoyed Brandon and I's shenanigans today. Check us out next week. We'll be giving our Super Bowl preview, and we also might possibly have a guest next week, Brandon. It could certainly happen, yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm hoping it happens. That's kind of my job around here. All right, take it easy, guys. That's the podcast.